welcome to a very special episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm subdued. <laughs> RTS Faculty of Podcast. Brought to you by Reform Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. I'm going to keep going with this intro. <laughs> Part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name is Scott Red. I'm the president here and professor of Old Testament, and I'm joined by Dr. Grace Utanto, professor of systematic theology, Dr. Tommy Keene, professor of New Testament and academic dean, Dr. Peter Lee, who is our dean of students and professor of Old Testament, and Dr. Paul Jean, lecturer in New Testament and pastor, senior pastor at New City Presbyterian Church in the Northern Virginia area. And we are, this is, a, this is a very special episode. This is our end of the year episode. And we felt we needed to commemorate it, not just because of the wildness of 2020, but due to the fact this is the end of the first year of this podcast. Uh, we began some 41 episodes ago uh, as the lockdown was, was being enforced. And we began this as a way of staying connected with our students, with our RTS community, and with each other. And it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been a real benefit to me and has actually started a lot of new relationships that I didn't know that I would have with academics who we've brought on uh, and friends from other campuses, as well as just providing us with an opportunity to get together every week and, uh, and talk as a faculty here at RTS. So what we wanted to do is just offer a brief episode this week and just reflecting on 2020. There's so much to say, you can't possibly encompass it all, but we're gonna try. Now, um, what we're gonna do is we're actually just going to highlight sort of what we've learned, things that have kind of been impressed upon us over this outlier of a year and get together and just chat briefly about it. So. Peter Lee, let's let's start with you. You've already had some thoughts on this and have written on it to some extent online on your blog. And so um, I want you to start us off. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Yeah, it's obviously been a rough year. And there's a lot, actually, that that I have sort of watched and learned and and benefited from as well as suffered through like so many other people. And I guess um, one thing that uh, I have uh, valued uh, in light of the crisis uh, that we have faced this past year are our pastors out there. Pastors are called to pastor and they're called to do so regardless of what's before them. And now here is a, a global pandemic that is an obvious barrier in unprecedented terms. And yet, uh, as I have sort of watched the pastors that are out there, both local that we know well and others just... Uh, nationally as well as internationally, it, it just was inspiring to see the way that they were determined to still minister to the people of God. Um, worship continued. Uh, it obviously wasn't ideal, but yet they still took advantage of the tools that were before them. I was just really kind of blown away with just how creative these guys were, how innovative they were, how quickly they adapted, improvised, adapt, adjusted to offer worship and, and pastoral care to the people of God. It was really, you know, it, it, it's horrible that people are suffering and dying out there, but to see the challenge and to see some of our guys come forward and, and, you know, a lot of our grads that are out there, I was interacting with and dialoguing with and to see them really take that forward and, and suffer through it, you know, and, it, that really was, uh, you know, they suffered a lot of fire and a lot of, and some criticism, unfortunately, but at the same time, 
you just have to commend their spirit to continue to, to provide care for God's people. And I, I personally was ministered to really to see the extent that they were willing to go, the way that they, you know, just kind of uh, suffered through it, were frustrated through it, but yet still tried to do the best they can. So that was one thing that I, I took away from the last year was just the appreciation of of, of our ministers out there, of our of our of pastors out there, and and their determination, their their passion, their uh, strong sense of conviction to do their duty and do their pastoral work in spite of the things that were obviously before them. Yeah, I think that's really important. I've, I've been struck by the same thing, just the role of pastoral ministry in this kind of situation. And I think we talked about this earlier, maybe it was, all, it was offline earlier in the year, but I, I remember doing some work early on in, in my studies on the impact of the, of the Black Death, you know, the Great Plague on the church, and how one of the, one of the consequences of it was that a lot of the best priests died right because they were there serving okay the poor and the and the sick um and so they were therefore getting the disease themselves and it's something we all reflected on early on in this pandemic was this the the, the unique dynamic of this disease that it's not just about you getting it as a matter of fact for many young pastors you getting it isn't that great of a threat, but it's you passing it on to others for whom it is a greater threat. And it kind of turned the natural Christian response on its ear in a way, right? And all of that's to go back to the fact that as I'm watching my friends who are full-time vocational pastors in this work, and they're having to thread this needle of how do you care without becoming a spreader, right? And it just creates this this disorientation, this kind of relational dysphoria that it's been amazing to see how, for me, you know, these pastors have thought creatively, they've reached, they found other ways to reach out and care for their congregations. And yeah, Peter, I think that's just, that's just such a good point that, you know, really it's been remarkable to see how these men have done this, this work in a time where it's not always obvious exactly how to do the work that they're called to. And in a way, I think, you know, you hinted at this, I think, I think pastoral ministry, at least the practical application of it is, is going to be changed in the years ahead. Like, I'm not sure that we're going to come back from this completely. And one of the lessons that really came across to me was not to underestimate what God could do in the midst of what we take to be non-ideal situations. Peter and Scott, you, you both mentioned how the church has adapted, how the church has responded so faithfully and so vigorously to this pandemic. And it's been the same experience for us here too in Jakarta, where noticing that people are at home and lonely and of course seeking out interaction through the internet, we've sought ways to communicate with folks through webinars, through live meetings together with the church uh, online on Zoom. And it's been amazing how many folks have we've been able to reach just by using these new creative ways of, of getting through to them ways that to be honest right just like this podcast perhaps we wouldn't have thought about uh doing were it not for something like this now of course the pandemic is still something that we lament but it's amazing what god can do even in the midst of it and even with with my own experience and myself and my wife here we have longed of course to get to the states earlier this year in late May or even early June, we've had all these plans lined up. And we were definitely in a process of 
lamenting and mourning the fact that uh, because of the pandemic, immigration has frozen. We've had to learn how to be patient in the midst of all that. And I was thinking at the very beginning of all this, you know, what's going to happen? Are things still going to be able to get done? How are we going to teach our classes? And we've been so thankful uh, with the resilience of our students, with their patience in keeping up with coursework and classes, even over Zoom. And we've been amazed at how many things actually were able to get done and, and not just done, but done really well. And more things were put on our table precisely because of these unique conditions. And so we've been really thankful just because we've, we've learned so much that God really does continue working, even in what we consider to be non-ideal circumstances. Well, I've had a lot of thoughts and maybe this one might sound not as um, cheaper, but no, I, I've had, had this thought where uh, in the context of my reflections is I have been meditating through Second Timothy, as many of you know, and um, COVID obviously has been terrible on so many levels and, and so forth. But I think I've been struck by how many believers seemed, now this is a hard uh, like assessment to make, but overall, many believers seem to have responded in a way that's not very different from the unbelieving world, particularly in terms of fear. And um, you know, I'm not at all suggesting that uh, COVID isn't real or it's not something we should be concerned about, but as, as you know, like they say that hardships, they don't make us into a certain being, but they reveal what's already there. And I have wondered when I have been pastoring different people like why there seems to be such a profound fear uh, given the hope of the resurrection that we talk about often so you know i i have to be honest that's something i've just been thinking through and it's a hard thought to share because it can seem like um i'm minimizing covid or something but it has i think struck me throughout this year that you know when you look at the early church just when you look at the new testament uh, when you see the apostles respond to uh, the fear of death, I mean, the prospect of death, there was something very unique, uh, fundamentally unique about the way they processed it. And um, I think it did strike me that there didn't seem to be something unique about the way at least um, more than a few believers uh, were working through COVID. And I just wonder if, if, if anything, um, as we look forward to 2021, it could be a time of reflection in terms of what's, you know, what we believe concerning the resurrection and how that does, you know, enable us to respond to things like COVID differently. And so that's just, you know, honestly, that's been on my mind a lot. I've been thinking about it. I had, I had two thoughts and, and one of them is a bit similar. Kind of the, the sobering thought for me has been Something we said in one of the first podcasts, I, I don't know if it was week one or two or whatever, but I remember ref we were reflecting on how the world was pulling together to take care of the most vulnerable, you know, to take care of the neighbor and, and that that was a beautiful thing to see without any sort of kind of institutional mandate, people sacrificing their own personal comforts to care for the poor and the sick and the needy. 
And I remember saying in that episode, I hope we persist in doing good. And uh, that's, of course, biblical language. And it's been it's stuck in my head as something that that is a kind of constant call. It's not good enough to do good. What God calls us actually is to persist in it. And the the call of COVID, of course, the call of any lengthy trial that goes longer than you think it is, is of course, perseverance and, and patience in, in suffering and in trial. But the act of persevering is the act of obviously continuing in faith, but also continuing in love, uh, love of neighbor, love of our communities, um, et cetera. And so th- I wonder how well, I, I think we did well at the beginning. And, but the call to persist is, is when the call to do good gets very difficult and challenging for me, for others, you know, we, are, we get weary of it. And yeah, it's the positive side of this is that our God does not grow weary in showing us kindness. And we've seen that in COVID as well with the faithfulness of God to us as a seminary, uh, to our student body, and to the, to the churches that we serve, uh, to our fearless editor, Timo Sazo, who is constantly removing ums, ands, and buts from, from this podcast. Uh, the, the kindness of God has been manifest in, in, in a number of different areas. So that was kind of my first, more sobering thought. And then the other thing that I've that's really been impressed upon me, along with some of the things that y'all have already said, is the importance of I don't know how to say the importance of being local, the the importance of our local communities, the people kind of next to us and uh, how we are right to think globally. We're right to think cosmically about this kingdom in which we serve, but also the realm in which we manifest those cosmic concerns, those kingdom concerns is usually our neighbors and the restaurant down the street and how important those components are. that component of our life has been in, in our move from Philadelphia to uh, Vienna, Virginia, we lost our donut shop, right? Our local family owned donut shop. And we love our local family owned donut shop. And one of the things that COVID has done is prevent us from actually, even if we wanted to take three hours to go get those donuts, we can't because that local donut shop is, um, is closed. And so that, so both from the negative aspect of not having that outlet of being able to, to see that guy that always is at the donut shop at the same time that you're at the donut shop and talking with them and whether they're a Christian or not engaging in, with them in fellowship, like that's missing. But also the aspect of kind of like we're all on Zoom now, we're, we're all uh, kind of connected in a way but the people we still connect with are our local people. We're connecting with our local churches. We're connecting with, with each other. You know, I mean, ex- except for Gray, all of us could drive to each other's house at the, you know, at the drop of the hat, and we hope Gray will be able to do that too very soon. But God has sustained the the neighborly character of human communion, even in the midst of the this pandemic, and that's been, I think, a blessing. Yeah, and that's and. In- as I've been thinking about it, it seems like we had these kind of major events in history that really do. And I, and I know there's a sense in which everyone feels as if their time in history is a unique time. And yet there is kind of, I think just sort of objectively this unique aspect to 
what's happened this year, we've had this convergence of these dynamics. One of them is this sort of the galaxy brain that is the internet. And then really social media. I think we all thought the internet was the big deal. And then we found out it was actually social media. Maybe that was the big deal. (laughs) And maybe in five years, we'll say it was something else. But we have this big, incredible sphere in which these conversations are taking place. So maybe for the first time ever in my life, the whole world is directed towards one topic, really. Okay. I was actually talking about this with some older saints at, at, a, at a church where I preached on Sunday and they said, yeah, World War II felt like that too. And it was interesting. I thought, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. Fair enough. Okay. But you have that. And then you have this pandemic that doesn't let us maintain those local relationships in the way we normally would. Right. Tommy, you're just talking about, you know, I have a neighbor next door and we used to get together all the time. And now we talk across the fence, far apart. We don't get to hold each other's babies. We don't get to sit around a campfire in the same way. So while we have this sort of grand conversation going on at the level of all of the social medias, media that, uh, that are out there, we also have this kind of separation, this pulling apart. That's really natural. You know, and I, I, I just looking at your faces on this, on this call how much I long to be together with you, right? And I, I think that's exacerbated things. That's, that's clarified things. I mean, I think obviously over the course of the summer, this nation's long history of racial injustice was brought to the fore. And I think it was brought to the fore, not because it's new, but with, the, with, with this newness of intensity, in part because of these dynamics, right? We're, we're, all, we're all able to connect via social media and yet at the same time we're all really separated and we can't just sit and talk and that's hard and 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 we don't get to be together in that way and seeing how these things have all come together you know i think it's going to be interesting and it's going to be hard work as we go into the year ahead on how do we recover from this where you have this kind of in one moment in one sense this polarization that's going on and yet also this loss of locality um, and hopefully as the disease uh, diminishes, we'll have opportunities to gather back together. But the thing that struck me and the thing I keep kind of laying hold of, I felt like this whole year was that description of the beloved community in, in Ephesians 4, that in the midst of all of this fragmentation, all of this polarization, all of this loss of locality, we still lay hold to the truth that there's one body, and there's one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And that, that that beatific vision, right, is so much more, it's so much more of a felt need to me this year than I think it's been maybe ever before. You know, I think as we're all getting together, we've been talking about this before and, and all of your observations ring so true to me. And uh, in the midst of that, I thank God. I thank God for this, this community of the podcast and uh, as a faculty and getting to serve alongside all of you in this work that we get to be a part of here at the seminary and all those others who are part of this work as well, including the local churches and our students. And I give thanks for them. And of course, I give thanks for our executive producer, Timo Sazo, who is truly 
I hate to say where he's the man behind the curtain because that then suggests this podcast is something like a big floating head that is the Wizard of Oz, which is which is not the case. But thanks to Timo for just making this work every week and for everybody who listens and supports this and recommends it to friends. And it's just been wonderful to go on this journey with you all over the course of the last Oh, goodness. Now, how far? About 10 months or so. So it's been a joy to be with you all. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in 2021. Till then, take care. Our thankfulness for you is basically presuppositional. It's a precondition for the possibility of this podcast, you know. Thankfulness, Timo. Yep, that was a Van Til joke. That's good. Nobody was laughed. I, I, Nobody no, laughed. I got it. I got it. I was well, laughing the on laughter. the inside. Yeah, the okay. laughter was presupposed. The laugh. <laughs> yeah. I understand. It's 10 p.m. here. It's time for it's time for silly jokes. 10 p.m.